Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another edition of the one and only podcast known to the world as Sean's Sports Stop. This is episode number 182, and today I'm coming at you from Los Angeles, California, the usual spot on Monday, November 26, 2018. Today I'll be reporting all the notable news stories in sports, the biggest news in sports, uh, from yesterday sunday november 25th and today monday november 26th jam-packed episode today lots to talk about nba news obviously yesterday was football sunday college football stories an nhl story in the in the mix uh liverpool and chelsea are looking to sign a very good american soccer player so among many many stories i'm also going to cover the news results and future matchups of the la sports teams but before i get into that all feedback is appreciated, positive and negative. After all, that's the only way you learn. Um, all help is, of, of course, all help is appreciated, whether it's a donation or something like a five-star review on iTunes. That really helps me out, even though it's not that much to do for you. You know, right, subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, following me on Spotify, things like that. Check me out on all the social media at Sean Sports Stop on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, LinkedIn as well, if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, my website as well, SeanSportsShow.com. going to update that soon to to represent the name change of the podcast uh also if you know of a child that is interested in youth sports but you can't find a team in your area check out allteams.com that's a-l-l-t-e-a-m-z.com i'm going to be i've actually have already wrote a few articles for that website so check those out they all have to do with sports and youth sports specifically so without further ado let's get down to it the first story that i'm going to be covering has to do with nba basketball specifically even more specifically the golden state warriors and draymond green they have had their fair share of drama in recent weeks i should say so golden state warriors forward draymond green underwent an mri that showed the right toe injury he's been dealing with is a sprain Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports reported the update Saturday and noted Green, who has missed the Dubs' last five games, remains, quote, day-to-day. The 28-year-old has never appeared in less than 70 games through the first six years of his career. This year, he's averaging just under 7 points at 6.9, and 7.5 rebounds, and 7.2 assists through 13 games. He's a 2012 second-round pick, and he's been a big part of the Warriors' success. He, was, he has three all-star selections, and he's a Defensive Player of the Year award winner along with obviously three championships with the Golden State Warriors, and he was a member of the record-setting 73-9 and team in the 2015-16 season, where they actually lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers in seven games. He is the heart and soul of the club, arguably the enforcer, and his fiery emotions can ignite Golden State and the fans at, at any time. Then again, it also his fire and his passion to do for the team to succeed can also lead to some problems, as he, got, he has some beef right now with the reigning defending... Uh, finals MVP Kevin Durant, who can become a free agent at the end of the season. With Green out, Jonas Jerebeko and Jordan Bell have seen more playing time. So obviously, Draymond Green is a big blow for the Golden State Warriors, especially since Stephen Curry is not uh, playing. He was in a car accident. Thank God he's okay. No major injuries suffered there. The team's chemistry just has kind of been off since the whole um, problem between Draymond Green and Kevin Durant, but it seems like they're getting back on track. And with Draymond due back and Stephen Curry back soon, uh, it looks like it's going to be all okay, but you know the Warriors—they have a lot on their on their plate as they look to decide whether they should re-sign Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green. Uh, what about the role player guys? What about Demarcus Cousins? They have a lot of decisions to make this coming off season. What I think the Warriors should do is get rid of Draymond Green, try to keep Kevin Durant, keep Durant, Thompson, and Curry. Get rid of Draymond Green. Yes, he's extremely competitive, but his 
his fiery attitude sometimes is, is a cancer in my opinion. He's a, he's a locker room cancer. That's the way I see it. I don't know of any person that would pick Draymond Green over Kevin Durant, maybe because of their personalities, how Draymond Green is so aggressive and Kevin Durant is, is arguably a little bit more passive, but obviously Kevin Durant, no disputing he's the better player. So I think if you had to make a choice, you keep Durant and you let Draymond Green go somewhere else. I think his ego is a little bit too much for his own good and the team. That's my opinion. Switching gears to the NFL. The Dallas Cowboys and wide receiver Amari Cooper have yet to discuss the possibility of a long-term contract extension since he was acquired in a trade from the Oakland Raiders. This happened in October. Um, on Sunday, Adam Schefter of ESPN.com reported the sides, quote, have yet to have any talks about a new deal, but that's expected to change in the offseason. He's under contract for the 2019 season with a $13.9 million uh, base salary after the Raiders exercised the fifth-year option in his rookie deal in April per spot track. Dallas received some criticism for giving up a first-round pick in the 2019 NFL draft for Cooper, whose production has dropped over the past two seasons in Oakland. In 20, the 24-year-old who played at the University of Alabama has shined since joining the Cowboys, however, racking up 22 catches for just under 350 yards and three touchdowns in four appearances. He put together his best game of the season with eight interceptions for 180 yards and two scores in Dallas's seven-point win uh, over the Washington Redskins. Eight-point win, excuse me, over the Washington Redskins on Thursday. Uh, Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones said, quote, Amari looks like he's making a bid for his cash. Uh, Schefter noted, quote, Dallas wants to pay Cooper, but the expectations uh, are there. There won't be any serious talks until after the season ends, despite speculation to the contrary. So what I think of this is I think Dallas should absolutely keep Amari Cooper. He's been extremely productive. They have absolutely no receivers aside from Ari, Amari Cooper. Jason Garrett obviously retired. Des Bryant is um, was released and then was signed by the New Orleans Saints, and then he tore his ACL. So besides Amari Cooper, the Dallas Cowboys don't have a good wide receiver. So what I think they have to do is keep him at all costs. And that's all there is to say about that. Switching gears to another NFL story. The San Francisco 49ers announced the release of linebacker Ruben Foster more, um, on Sunday morning after he was arrested Saturday night on a domestic violence charge. Foster was arrested at the Niners team hotel in Florida ahead of, ahead of Sunday's week 12 road game against the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers per ESPN.com. The Tampa Bay Police Department released a statement saying a woman alleged Foster, quote, slapped her phone out of her hand, pushed her in the chest area, and slapped her with an open hand on the right side of her face, according to the ESPN.com report. The San Francisco Chronicle confirmed with Santa Clara Police that Foster and the same woman, Alyssa Ennis, were involved in another domestic uh, disturbance in October, adding, quote, in that incident, a neighbor called police on October 12th, shortly after 11 p.m., to report a loud argument between the couple at their apartment on Carlisle Court. Police said the two had been yelling at each other over material found on his cell phone, according to police captain Wahid Kazim. There were no signs of injury in the disturbance, the captain said, but officers took photographs and made video recordings. No arrests were made. Foster was arrested twice in less than a month after the 2017 season ended. His first arrest occurred um, on January 12th in Tuscaloosa, Alabama for possession of marijuana. On February 11th, just a month after the first arrest, he was arrested in California for suspicion of domestic violence, threats, and possession of an assault weapon. The Santa Clara County District Attorney's Office announced on April 12th that Foster was formally charged with felony counts of domestic violence with an allegation he inflicted great bodily injury, forcefully attempting to prevent a victim from reporting a crime in possession of, assault, of an assault weapon, as well as a misdemeanor count of possession of a large-capacity weapon magazine. Per Tom Shadden, A.J. Perez of USA Today, Foster's gr uh, girlfriend told police he punched her in the head up to 10 times and physically threw her from the house and dragged her by her hair. Those charges, though, were dropped in May. So, man, uh, extremely unfortunate situation for everybody involved. Uh, obviously, the San Francisco 49ers losing a, a great talent, but more than that, 
Ruben Foster and his situation with his uh, girlfriend. I'm not sure what their relationship is, but that's definitely ruined. Uh, what's most upsetting to me, and this might be a little bit wrong of me to say, to to think of this as more upsetting than um, a, a woman being um, punched by a man. But what's more upsetting to me is that Ruben Foster is a great NFL player, uh, very talented young man, and he's ruining his career. He's ruining his chances at playing in the NFL by doing stupid things, things that can easily be avoided. Just it's so unfortunate that guys like this um, just waste their opportunities of playing in the NFL, being among the best in the world by doing things like putting their hands on a woman. It's just very unfortunate, immature, and could easily be avoided. Now transitioning to college football. Um, this is a pretty big story here. This, this has to do with it with an LA team, and we're based in Los Angeles, California, after all. USC's first losing season since 2000 will not be enough to cost Clay Helton his job. Athletic director Lynn Swan announced Helton will return as the program's head coach in 2019, despite the Trojans finishing 5-7 and seven this season. USC concluded their season with a 24-17 loss to rival Notre Dame on Saturday. The statement from Swan read, quote, it's my, It is my firm belief that we have a good team returning next year and a solid foundation in place and that Clay Helton is a good coach. Let me be clear to everyone, our players, our recruits, and our fans. Clay Helton is our head coach, and, will he, and he will continue to be our head coach. I am a strong advocate of consistency within a program, sticking by a leader, supporting them, and helping them and their team improve. One season does not define a coach. Remember, Coach Helton inherited a program in turmoil. He won 10 games, including the Rose Bowl, in his first year in 2016. He won 11 games in the Pac-12 title in 2017. He runs a clean program. He graduates his players. He recruits well. He produces NFL players. We see programs across the country have a few down years and the fans want to change coaches. In fact, that happened a few years ago with Notre Dame, but that administration remained committed to their head coach who made some key changes, worked hard to fix things and got his team to improve uh, markedly. That will happen here at USC. Helton, who is 46 years old, is 32 and 17 during his first during his career as head coach. He took over for Steve Sarkeesian during the 2015 season and was hired full-time in 2016. The Trojans finished in the top 10 in the country um, in each of Helton's first two seasons as full-time coach. They fell off following the departure of star QB Sam Darnold with freshman JT Daniels struggling mightily to fill the void. Uh, USC closed their season with three consecutive losses, highlighted by falling short against rivals UCLA and Notre Dame. And as a fan of UCLA, a loss to UCLA is horrible. UCLA is a horrible team. Their first year with Coach Chip Kelly, they have very young players. So any team that's supposedly a good uh, college football team in Division One should not lose to UCLA. That hurts for me to say, but that's just the truth. Also, Ian Rapport of NFL Network reported USC shortlist including Baltimore Ravens coach uh, John Harbaugh, former Jacksonville Jaguars and Oakland Raiders coach Jack Del Rio, and current uh, Penn State coach James Franklin. So I think this is the right move for USC. I don't follow USC at all. Um, not that much. I do somewhat, but not nearly as much as UCLA and the professional sports teams in Los Angeles and sports in general. I don't follow USC to that degree, but... As I just as I just said, he won the Pac-12 title in 11 games in 2017. Uh, he was great in 2016. He won the Rose Bowl in 2016 in his first season. One bad season doesn't doesn't mean that he should be fired. I say give him at least one more one more season to to show what he can do. And if not, maybe then fire him. But I think one losing season should not be enough to fire a coach, especially after he won the Rose Bowl and the Pac-12 title in his first two seasons as a full time head coach. That's just me. Uh, now switching gears to um the nfl uh, obviously today was football sunday but i'm going to devote a section of this episode just to the uh football results and give it a bit of a take uh you know a, a take on each uh game 
Uh, this story, though, has to do with the NFL, not specifically with a game. But um, New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady, arguably the best quarterback in the history of football, became the league's all-time leader in passing yards, regular season and postseason combined on Sunday. He now has 79,280, and he moves past Peyton Manning for the most total passing yards in NFL history. In terms of um, regular season passing yards, Brady remains fourth all-time behind Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, and Brett Favre. The 13-time Pro Bowler, 5-time champion, and 5-time MVP holds a number of NFL records already, uh, which includes division titles at 15, uh, playoff games started at 37, playoff wins at 27, playoff touchdown passes with 71, playoff uh, passing yards with 10,226, Super Bowl appearances with 8, Super Bowl wins with 5, Super Bowl MVPs with 4, Super Bowl touchdown passes with 18, and Super Bowl passing yards with 2,576. There are more, of course, and Tom Brady will almost assuredly add more NFL records to his name despite the fact that he's 41 years old what I think is crazy is that uh, if it wasn't for the New York Giants the huge underdogs and Eli Manning Tom Brady wouldn't have five Super Bowl wins he would have seven Super Bowl wins two times the New York Giants upset the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl and uh, Tom Brady would I think if he had seven Super Bowl wins he would undoubtedly be considered the best quarterback to ever walk this planet but since he only has five only five not that many um uh, sarcasm there uh it's obviously debated, you know, Drew Brees, Joe Montana, Brett Favre, Dan Marino, who's really the greatest quarterback of all time. I think these discussions are worthless. I think it's very hard to compare guys from different eras, whether it's basketball or football. How can you compare Michael Jordan to LeBron James to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to Bill Russell? How can you do the same with Tom Brady, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, Joe Montana, Dan Marino? It's just not doable because the game have ch- the game has changed so much, whether it's basketball or football. Uh, baseball is even harder, but specifically with basketball and football, the games have changed so much. Guys like the guys that are playing right now would probably average 70, 60, 70 points a game in the 60s. If, if you had guys like Chris House Porzingis, Joel Embiid, uh, just big guys, big, big centers, they would dominate at a time. But at the same time, guys that played aggressively like Michael Jordan, Dennis Rad- Rodman, they could probably average 30 rebounds a game in uh, in 2018. So that's why it's very hard to compare um, kind of transcendent generational players, in my opinion. Uh, switching gears now, transitioning to the NHL. Don't I don't cover the NHL all too much besides the games played by the LA Kings and Anaheim Ducks, but this has to do with the Philadelphia Flyers. The Philadelphia Flyers announced the firing of general manager Ron Hextall on Monday after three-plus seasons. Team president Paula Holmgren issued a statement that read, quote, the Flyers organization has decided to relieve Ron Hextall of his duties as executive vice president and general manager. We thank Ron for his many significant contributions, but it has become clear that we no longer share the same philosophical approach concerning the direction of the team. In light of these differences, we feel it's in the organization's best interest to make a change effective immediately. I have already begun a process to identify and select our next general manager, which we hope to complete as soon as possible. Currently, the Flyers are 13th in the Eastern Conference and 7th in the Metropolitan Division. They are losers of five of their last six games and have the second-worst goal differential in the Eastern Conference. Philadelphia made the playoffs in two of Hextall's first three seasons as GM, but was eliminated in the first round each time. The franchise has made the playoffs only four times since since the 1994-95 season. Coach Dave Hextall called Hextall's firing a tough morning. Um, Players seem to be taking the news hard as well. So, I mean, what can you do? I think... um, I think it's the right move for the Flyers. Obviously, they haven't had much success lately. They've made the playoffs only four times since the mid-90s, so some change needs to be made. In sports, this seems kind of unfair to me, but in sports, the first guys that are always to blame are the front office and the coaches. They're always the first ones to get fired rather than the players unless they act up or poor very or uh, perform very poorly. 
So it's always uh, the coach that gets blamed. The coach gets fired. Like, look at uh, a great example is Dwayne Casey and the Toronto Raptors. He led the Raptors to the best record they've ever that, that they've ever had the first seed in the Eastern Conference. But because they lost to LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers in the playoffs, they got swept by the Cavs and they lost to LeBron for the third time in the playoffs. He got fired, even though he led them to the best record they've ever had and the first seed in the, in the Eastern Conference. That didn't matter. So the coach is always the first one to blame, which I think is unfair. But sometimes change some some kind of change needs to be made in hopes for a better future. Now switching gears to the NFL, back to the NFL. Hugh Jackson, should, Hugh Jackson should probably not expect to receive any holiday cards from Baker Mayfield this year. At least that's what I think. The Browns QB gave his former coach a chilly response when meeting for a handshake following Cleveland's 35 to 20 win over the Cincinnati Bengals on uh, Sunday. Anyone with an even anyone um, can kind of tell that Baker wanted no part of the handshake uh, that uh, Jackson was offering. And uh, Mayfield explained his frustration stemmed from Jackson joining the Bengals as an assistant so soon after the Browns fired him, saying, quote, it's just somebody that was in our locker room asking us to play for him, and then he goes to a different team we play twice a year. Everybody can have their spin on it, but that's how I feel. Um, so he also, man, it's, you can look at it from both sides, because on one hand, the guy just joined a rival team, so you kind of look, you kind of give him the side eye for doing that, but at the same time, the guy needs to make money. He needs to provide for his family. He needs to have a job. So the Cincinnati Bengals offered him a job. And who knows if anybody else did. Maybe that was the only offer on the table. So I think it's kind of unfair for Baker Mayfield to blame him for taking a job, regardless of where, where it is. Now switching gears to the MLB. Uh, pretty big story. Hot stove. MLB offseason going on. The Seattle Mariners are reportedly looking to trade second baseman Robinson Cano and have contacted the New York Yankees and New York Mets about a potential deal. Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic reported a Cano trade has become the next order of business for general manager Jerry DePoto. The Mariners have already uh, traded ace James Paxson to the Yankees and catcher Mike Zanino to the Tampa Bay Rays as they begin a rebuild. Cano, who's 36 years old, was limited to only 80 games last season, about half of the season. Due to a suspension uh, for taking performance-enhancing drugs, he hit 303 with 10 home runs and 50 RBIs after returning to the team. The Mariners are on the hook for $120 million for the next five seasons for Robinson Cano, who remains an effective player even though he's in his mid-30s. Uh, teams uh, would not have any issue paying Cano the $24 million per season that he's owed for the next couple of years. The length on his contract, on the other hand, presents an issue. He'll make that same $24 million when he's 40 years old in 2023. So as a bit of a Yankee fan, I don't think they should go after Robinson Cano. Uh, he played the prime of his career with the Yankees, so why would they trade for him when he's out of his prime? It doesn't make much sense to me. But at the same time, he could provide a bit of a spark. You know, you could have... Robinson Cano, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, uh, Miguel Andujar, Gleyber Torres. It's just a very offensively powerful lineup. But plus, you guys, you, you have uh, James Paxton in the pitcher. You just traded him for him from the Mariners. You have Masahiro Tanaka. You just re-signed CeCe Sabathia. Possibly Sonny Gray if he could uh, regain his form. So you're looking at a pretty solid team. Already a solid team. That If you add Robinson Cano, it could be a great spark. But I don't think it's the right move for the Yankees. Just my own personal opinion. Now switching gears to European soccer. Chelsea or Liverpool could reportedly buy Borussia Dortmund's Christian Pulisic for 70 million euros, provided they are willing to let him remain with the Bundesliga side until the end of the season. So just a, a quick update there. Um, switching gears now to, to another NFL story, just all football today on this episode, or these last two days. As I, I haven't said this, but um, this episode, or actually I have said this, that I'm covering the news from Sunday, November 25th, and Monday, November 26th. 
So anyway, the Jacksonville Jaguars and head coach uh, Doug Marone fired offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett on Monday. Hackett um, told uh, NFL Network that he was surprised at Marone's decision. Uh, under Hackett, the Jaguars ranked 22nd in yards per game and 28th in points per game this season. They also finished 23rd in yards per game in 2016 and 2015 points, but those numbers increased significantly in 2017 to 6th and 5th respectively. So I'm not sure if this was the right move, but the Jaguars did lose seven games in a row. So it could quite possibly be the right move. Um, they had, a, as I said, they were ranked sixth and seventh in, in those two categories last season. So they had a great offense. They almost made the Super Bowl. They lost to the New England Patriots in the AFC Championship game. So maybe this was a bit of a rush decision, uh, very similar to the situation that USC's football coach is in, where he was successful in his first couple of years, but now fell off quite a bit and um, was on the brink of getting fired. So very similar situation and. Um, I'm kind of torn on this one, honestly. I don't know if it was a good move for the Jaguars or not. Now switching gears to college basketball, transitioning. Uh, Gonzaga spent its Thanksgiving weekend in a dream locale um, in, in Maui. They left as the number one team in the country. Gonzaga is the nation's new top-ranked team after defeating Duke and win, winning the Maui Invitational, moving up two spots to leapfrog number two, Kansas. Duke, is then, follow, Duke then follows at number three. So just a quick update there. And, um, man, just, um, I don't think Duke is the number. I, I do think Duke is still the number one team in the country. They lost a very close game to Gonzaga. It was their, it was a back-to-back game. So I still think Duke is better than them. But according to the AP poll, Gonzaga is number one right now. Switching gears to another um, baseball story. The Atlanta Braves will uh, take a chance on Josh Donaldson after signing the free agent to a uh, – one-year contract worth $23 million. Rosen, Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic added the deal is pending a physical. The 2018 season was marred by injury for Donaldson, who battled shoulder and calf issues that limited him to only 52 games. The Toronto Blue Jays traded him to the Cleveland Indians before the August 31st deadline, although his injuries created controversy as he was not healthy enough to play immediately after the deal. He finally returned to the field September and produced a 280 batting average and three homers in 16 appearances. And... This is a bit of a risk for the Atlanta Braves. It could either be a very, very high-risk, high-reward or very high-risk, low-reward. Uh, I think it's either going to be gr- a great move or a horrible move. I don't think it's going to be anywhere in the middle. I think it's going to be closer to uh, a great move than a horrible move, though. Switching gears to yet another NFL story, the last notable news story of this episode. The Cincinnati Bengals will have to ma- will have to try to – play this season the rest of the season without quarterback Andy Dalton as he is injured for the rest of the season and with that said we're going to be transitioning into the Los Angeles sports teams starting with the Los Angeles Lakers um and also yeah starting with the Los Angeles Lakers so the last time that I recorded an episode was November 22nd on November 23rd the Los Angeles Lakers played the Utah Jazz at home and they won 90 to 83 in a low scoring game uh, for the Lakers, LeBron James was LeBron James, 22 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists. Kyle Kuzma had 9 points, 6 rebounds. JaVale McGee was pretty good with 12 points and 4 rebounds. Brandon Ingram dropped 24 points. Lonzo Ball had 9 points, 10 rebounds, and 2 assists, so pretty solid game from him. Overall, good game from the Lakers, and they got the win. After that, um, yesterday they lost to the Orlando Magic 108-104 to at home. It was a close game. Um, the Lakers have been on a bit of winning streak, so you can't win every game. So with the loss, the Lakers are now 11-8 and eight on the season, and the Magic are 10-10. and 10. For the Lakers, 
LeBron James had 24 points, 7 assists, 4 rebounds. Kyle Kuzma had 21 points, 5 assists, 4 rebounds. JaVel McGee had 12 points and 7 boards. Brandon Ingram had 17 points, 1 assist, and 6 rebounds. Lonzo Ball had another good game. 9 points, uh, 2 assists, 10 rebounds. So Lance Stevenson had 13 points. So overall, good game for the Lakers, uh, but couldn't get the job done against the Magic. They resume play uh, tomorrow on Tuesday at 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern against the Denver Nuggets on the road. That game is going to be on NBA TV. Uh, the Denver Nuggets have been pretty good this year, so that should be a good game. I think the Lakers are going to pull that one out, though. The Clippers have been shocking. I never thought they're currently first in the Western Conference. I never thought they'd be first um, at any point during the season because they lost you know, Chris Paul uh, before last season, signed with the Houston Rockets, or was traded actually to the Houston Rockets. Blake Griffin was traded to the Detroit Pistons, and uh, DeAndre Jordan signed with the Dallas Mavericks this past offseason, so the Lob City was broken up. Uh, the Clippers, J.J. Redick, signed with the Philadelphia 76ers for last, before last season. But they're playing well. Um, on But they did lose on Friday, November 23rd, in overtime to the Memphis Grizzlies at home. Or actually, they won, excuse me, 112-107 to at home. Um, so for the Clippers, Danilo Gallinari had 20 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists. Tobias Harris had 12 points, 4 assists, 7 rebounds. Marcin Gortat, Avery Bradley, and Shane Gilgis-Alexander all pitched in. Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly. So looking at the Clippers roster, they actually have a very solid team. Lots of great role players. They don't have one uh, notable kind of superstar like LeBron, like a LeBron James or someone like that, like the Lakers do. But they have a really, really solid overall team. Seems like seems like it to me. I didn't really see their roster in depth, but looking at it now, they look pretty good. And yesterday they beat the Portland Trailblazers, Portland Trailblazers one of one hundred four to one hundred. They're a good team. The Clippers are now thirteen and six. Shocking, shocking results they're showing to me. And the Trailblazers are 12 and 8. Tobias Harris had 34 points, 11 rebounds, and an assist. Danilo Gallinari had 17 points. Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and Montrose Harrell each had 12 and 14, respectively. Marcin Gortat pitched in as well with six points and four boards. Um, so just uh, a great game. Uh, now the LA Kings, they are absolutely horrible. They played uh, the Vancouver Canucks on Saturday, November 24th, and they lost 4-2, to but they rebounded yesterday and they beat the Edmonton Oilers 5-2 to at home. They play the Vancouver Canucks again, but this time in Vancouver, Canada at 7 p.m. Pacific time, 10 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. Um, so just uh, the Kings are still eighth in the Pacific Division and still last in the NHL. Oh, I forgot to look at the NBA standings, the, uh, the Lakers and Clippers. The Lakers are currently... Um, seventh in the Western Conference. They're seven and three in their last 10, so very good. But they did lose their last game. But they're only two games behind the first place Clippers. The Clippers are obviously in first place, eight and two, eight and two in their last 10 uh, on two game winning streak themselves. The, uh, the longest winning streaks of the conference are the Minnesota Timberwolves, who have won three straight, and the Denver Nuggets, who have won three straight. They're, they're in third place. Uh, and they, as I said, the Lakers play them next. So the LA Kings, I just covered them, still 8th in the Pacific Division. The Anaheim Ducks on Friday, November 23rd, played the Edmonton Oilers and had yet another overtime game. They won 2-1 to one in overtime at home, and then they lost in Nashville 5-2 to two yesterday. They resume play tomorrow at 4.30 p.m. Pacific time, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. to get the Tampa Bay Lightning in Tampa Bay, Florida, as they look to get back in the win column. Uh, they'll, they'll look to win the third of their last four games. They're cur- currently 4th in the Pacific Division. They are their fourth. They are... 4-4-2 four, four, and two in their last 10, and they are only four points behind the first place Calgary Flames, while the Kings had, did win their last game, but they are 4-6 and six in their last 10 with a minus 23 goal differential. 
8, 14, and 1. Just uh, pretty bad, but they are still kind of hanging in there. They're three points behind the Arizona Coyotes for the spot that's not last, uh, and eight points behind the first place Calgary Flames. So still doable, still a young season, but things are not looking good for my Kings. The LA Rams had a bye week this week. They resumed play after their shootout with the Kansas City Chiefs last Monday. Uh, they resume play next Sunday, uh, December 2nd at 10 a.m. Pacific time, um, 1 p.m. Eastern against the Detroit Lions uh, in Detroit on Fox. That's going to be a pretty good game. I think the Rams will take it easily, though. The L.A. Chargers did play today, and they destroyed the Arizona Cardinals 45-10. to So the Chargers have a very solid record now. I'll take a look at the NFL standings in a second. So the Chargers are now 8-3, and three, and the Cardinals are a horrible 2-9. and nine. The Chargers uh, resume playing next Sunday, November, uh, December 2nd at 5.20 p.m. Pacific time, 8.20 p.m. Eastern against the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road. Big game there as they play the Steelers, who are a uh, very good AFC East team, AFC team themselves. That game is going to be on NBC in primetime. I'll be watching it. Now taking a look at the NFL scores from week 12 of the season uh, to, clo- to close out this loaded episode of Sean's Sports Stop. So let's see what we got to cover. The The Chicago Bears beat the Detroit Lions 23-16. to uh, The Bears were favored. They they got the job done. They should have won, and they did. They won 23-16. to Now 8-3 on the season. Pretty surprising there. Never thought they would be 8-3 at any point or have a be five games over 500 at any point during the season. The Detroit Lions are now at 4-7 and seven for the Bears. It was Chase Daniel who played quarterback. I guess Mitch Trubisky is injured. He went 27 of 37 for 230 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. And um, for the Lions, it was Matthew Stafford. He had a pretty bad game, 28 of 38. He did have 236 yards, but no touchdowns and two interceptions. So for the Lions, their only um, you know offense was LeGarrette Blunt, who rushed for two touchdowns. He averaged 4.6 yards per rush. Uh, let's see what other games we got to cover. So the Dallas Cowboys beat the Washington Redskins 31 to 23. It was a bit of a toss up. Both teams are now six and five after this, after the Cowboys win over the Redskins. Um, I thought the cow, the Cowboys would win because they were at home. And that seemed to be the difference as they won by about a touchdown and both teams had the same record coming, basically the same record coming in. The Redskins don't have their start, their starting quarterback, Alex Smith, as it was Colt McCoy went 24 of 38 for 268 yards, two touchdowns and three interceptions. Uh, that's uh, that's all uh, on the rushing side. Capri Bibbs had a pretty good game. Seventeen, um, only three. No, he, he didn't have that good of a game. Three carries, seventeen yards, but he did have a touchdown. For the Cowboys, Dak Prescott was good. Twenty-two of thirty-one, two hundred eighty-nine yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Ezekiel Elliott also rushed for a touchdown, and Dak Prescott had a rushing touchdown. It's a good offensive game for the Cowboys. The Philadelphia Eagles beat the horrible New York Giants 25 to 22, a big needed a much needed win for the Eagles who are now 5 and 6 while the Giants are 3 and 8. For the Giants, Eli Manning, the old man, went 26 of 37 for 297 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Uh, Saquon Barkley did rush for a touchdown as well. He had a great game. Uh, had 101 rushing yards with 7.8 uh, yards per rush. Saquon Barkley also had a, re- a receiving touchdown. For the Eagles, Carson Wentz went 20 of 28 for 236 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions. Josh Adams rushed for a touchdown as well. Zach Ertz caught a touchdown. So I would say the difference, much like the Cowboys and Redskins, was the home field for the Eagles. The Seattle Seahawks beat the Carolina Panthers 30-27 to in another toss-up game. Both teams are now 6-5 and after this game. It was in Carolina, so Seattle got a big road win. Russell Wilson was great, 22 of 31, uh, 339 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Chris Carson rushed for a touchdown as well for the Seahawks. 
For the Panthers, Cam Newton went 25 of 30, 256 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Christian McCaffrey, the running back out of Stanford, also rushed for a touchdown with 7.4 yards per rush. Uh, so very close game there. The um, New Orleans Saints, arguably the best team in the NFL, destroyed the uh, Atlanta Falcons 31-17 at home. Uh, the Saints don't lose at home, at least as um, at least this season. For the Falcons, Matt Ryan threw the ball almost 50 times, 35 of 47, 377 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. That's the only offense for the Falcons. For the Saints, Drew Brees, the, um, possibly the MVP for this season, went 15 of 22 for 171 yards, four touchdowns, and only one interception. So that's the uh, Saints offense right there, four touchdown passes from Drew Brees. Arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't think he is, but he's definitely – he definitely should be in the conversation. I think he gets snubbed a lot. Uh, let's see. The, the Buffalo Bills beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. A bit of a toss-up as well. Full game This week was full of games that could have gone either way. This was among two bad teams. The Bills are now 4-7, and seven, while the Jaguars are 3-8. and eight. They have lost their seventh straight game. For the Jaguars, Blake Bortles went 12-23 for just over 100 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. Pretty bad game. Leonard Fournette did rush for two touchdowns for the Jaguars. Josh Allen. Went 8 of 19 for 160 yards and a touchdown. Josh Allen, um, yeah, his touchdown was actually only a rushing touchdown. Isaiah McKenzie rushed for a touchdown. LaShawn McCoy did not, surprisingly. Uh, uh, Robert Foster also caught a touchdown. For the Bills, the Baltimore Ravens beat the Oakland Raiders uh, 34-17. to So the Raiders, their nightmares continue as they are now 2-9 and nine on the season. And the Ravens are 6-5. and five. Lamar Jackson is now 2-0 and oh as the Baltimore Ravens quarterback. For the Raiders, Derek Carr did throw a touchdown just under 200 yards. Doug Martin rushed for a touchdown. Uh, Marshawn Lynch looks like he didn't play. For the Ravens, uh, Lamar Jackson didn't have the best game, 14-25, 178 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions. Lamar Jackson rushed for a touchdown. Um, so pretty good game for the Ravens. Uh, the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the San Francisco 49ers 27-9. The Niners are now 2-9 while the Bucks are 4-7. Nick, Nick Mullins went 18-32 of 32 for 221 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. For the Bucks, Jameis Winston went 29-38, of 38, 312 yards, and two touchdowns. So pretty good game for the uh, for Jameis Winston. Very good game, actually. Uh, the New England Patriots, no surprise, beat the New York, New York Jets 27-13, now 8-3, while the Jets are 3-8. Tom Brady was Tom Brady, 20-31. of 30, 31. 283 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Sony Michelle also rushed for a touchdown, averaging 6.3 yards per rush. Josh McCown um, playing quarterback for the Jets um, because Sam Darnold is injured, 26 of 45, 276 yards, a touchdown, and, and an interception. No rushing touchdowns for the Jets. Uh, the Cleveland Browns beat the Cincinnati Bengals 35 to 20. It was their first road win in three seasons, believe it or not. The Browns are now 4-6-1, could easily have a much better record if not for very close overtime losses. Baker Mayfield went 19-26, 258 yards with four touchdowns and no interceptions. Great game from Baker. Nick Chubb also rushed for a touchdown for the Bengals. Andy Dalton uh, was pretty good. He went 10-17 of 17 for 100 yards, a touchdown and an interception. But he was replaced by Jeff Driscoll since he was injured, who threw for a touchdown himself. Um, the Denver Broncos uh, beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 24-17. The Chargers, as I covered, destroyed uh, the Chargers destroyed the Cardinals. The the Indianapolis Colts are back. They beat the Miami Dolphins twenty seven to twenty four. They are in a huge winning streak. Ryan Tannehill for the Dolphins did throw for two touchdowns, but Andrew Luck was great. Three hundred forty three yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, three hundred forty three yards. The Minnesota Vikings took care of the Green Bay, Green Bay Packers in primetime twenty four to seventeen without Kirk. Or actually, they did have Kirk Cousins. My mistake. 
He went 29 of 38 with 342 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. Aaron Rodgers had just under 200 yards with a touchdown and a pick. Aaron Jones also rushed for a touchdown. He's been great for the Packers. And today on Monday Night Football, the Houston Texans beat the um, Tennessee Titans 34-17. to The Texans are on an eight-game winning streak after losing the first three games of the season. Uh, so the Texans, for, for the Texans, Deshaun Watson had 210 yards for two touchdowns and no interceptions, 19 of 24. Marcus Mariota had, had a great game for the um, for the Titans, 22 of 23, only one incompletion, 303 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. So almost perfect. Absolutely great game for Mariota, but wasn't enough as the Texans take care of business. Uh, also for the Chargers, Josh Rosen, or excuse me, Phillip Rivers was also 28 of 29, only one incompletion, 259 yards, and three touchdowns. So there you have it, those are the uh, results from week 12 of the NFL season. Thank you so much for listening. This was episode number 182. Every episode is available on every podcast platform, which includes iTunes and Spotify. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you guys on episode number 183.